Hello, hello, and welcome to True Crime with Mari. Here, we sit down and shed some light on true crime that is never really heard of, or talked about. From past crimes to our recent present, let's go through the facts of each case, from backstory to where it is now. A small note and disclaimer before we start. This case deals with heavy topics, such as children, rape, pedophilia, sadomasochism, torture, cannibalism, urolognia, corprophagia, and finally, murder. So please, if you cannot handle such topics or need a break from hearing these things, especially with this case, please do. There will be future episodes that can be more tolerable to stomach. So without further ado, let's get on to the case of the gray man, Albert Fish. Another small note before we truly begin. I will be talking about certain kinks and fetishes that are relative to the BDSM community. However, it does not represent the community in any way, shape, or form. Albert Fish was born as Hamilton Howard Fish on May 19, 1870. Albert, or as his government name, Hamilton, happens to be the youngest of his surviving siblings. However, one of his siblings uh, referred to him as Albert, who happens to be a sibling of his that had passed away. His father is Randall Fish. He was a riverboat captain. However, in around 1870, when he was roughly... 75 years old, he became a fertilizer manufacturer. He passed away in 1875 when Albert was roughly five years old. His wife, Ellen Frances Harper Fish, was roughly 43 years younger than Randall, meaning that she was about 32 by the time of his passing. A lot of Albert Fish's family are said to have suffered from numerous mental health issues and illnesses. When his father had passed away, his mother, due to her own mental health issues, had sent Albert and his siblings to St. John's Orphanage in Washington. While he was there, he had suffered brutal beatings and was often tortured as well. Because of that, and because it was during his formative years of his childhood, it is believed that it's then he began to associate all of that abuse with pleasure and would become aroused and would look forward to the abuse. Around 1880, his mother was able to bring him home from St. John's and was working a stable government job. Albert, however, never had any formal education. When Albert was roughly 12 years old, they say he had started a relationship with a telegraph boy who had gotten him into urolognia, which is the sexual excitement associated with urine or with urination, and coprophagia, the involvement of eating feces. While he was younger, he had visited public baths to watch boys undress and had begun to respond to 
women's ads that were posted in the newspaper uh, looking for husbands. He would respond with extremely vulgar letters. Albert Fish moved to New York City when he was in his early 20s and had begun doing sex work while there. And around that time, he had also began to rape young boys. He would lure the young boys away and then with paddles embedded with nails, he would beat them with it and eventually rape them. This was just the start of it all. In 1898, he was arranged to marry Anna Mary Hoffman, and together they had six children. In that same year, he began to work as a house painter. A few years later down the line, in 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny and embezzlement and was sent to Sing Sing Prison, but was soon released. Even after his marriage and having children as well, that never stopped him from his quote-unquote need to molest and assault children. Albert Fish had admitted to his obsession with mutilation and self-mutilation after while at a wax museum with a man he was having an affair with, he saw a statue of a bisected penis. After seeing that, he had began to self-mutilate himself by beating himself with a nail paddle and sticking needles of various sizes into his pelvic area. Around 1910, while working in Wilmington, Delaware, he had met a 19-year-old young man who happened to be intellectually disabled. His name was Thomas Kedden. With Thomas Kedden, it is unknowing if this was consensual or not, but they had a sadomasochistic relationship. However, many say that this was a very forced relationship with Fish taking advantage of Kedden's disability. Albert Fish would take the young boy to an old farmhouse with the intent to torture, kill, and cannibalize the young man. Thomas Kedden was tortured for two weeks, and towards the end of the second week, the young man had been kept tied up and had half of his penis cut off. Fish would go on to say in a confession, and I quote this, I shall never forget his scream and the look he gave me, end quote. As I had said, Albert Fish had wanted to murder and cannibalize Thomas Kedden. However, Fish didn't want, as he says, for the meat to rot because it was during the summertime and it was becoming hotter. And so he lathered the young man up with peroxide covered what was left of the man's penis with a handkerchief gave him ten dollars and left no one knows what became of thomas kedden afterwards by 1917 albert fish's mental health would increasingly get worse that same year his wife anna marie 
had left him for a handyman that had rented out a room in their home named John Straub. Both Anna Mary and Straub would take all of the furniture and they would leave. They were gone. A short time after, Anna Mary and John Straub returned begging to stay there. Fish said that she could stay as long as her lover had left. Not long after, Albert Fish had discovered that his wife would sneak food up to the, into the attic where John Straub had stayed. Again, Fish said that she could continue to stay there as long as he was gone. In the end, Anna Mary and John Straub would leave, leaving Albert and their six children behind. After she left, it was said that Albert began to suffer from auditory hallucinations and had begun to experiment more with self-harm and other immoral practices. As we know, he enjoyed sadomasochistic activities and he would beat himself with a nail-studded paddle and he went as far as to encourage his children and their friends to beat him with it. It was reported that he would frequently insert a wooden dowel soaked in a lighter fluid into his anus and then set it on fire, as well as pushing needles into his pelvic area. Around that time, after his wife had left him as well, Albert Fish, with his other sexually obsessive tendencies, had grown an obsession with the thought and the action of cannibalism. He would often take and prepare meals entirely of raw meat for himself and his family to quote-unquote quell his desire to cannibalize a human. A few years before the first of the murders, had began, he would on multiple occasions be sent to psychiatric hospitals. Every single time, he would be released and declared sane. Around 1919, Albert Fish would target those who were mentally handicapped or those of African-American descent because he felt that they would not be missed in any way. He claimed that he would pay children to help him lure those people away so that he could do his bidding with them. However, as I said, these were only claims and unfortunately, no one would ever know if they were true as there is no proof whatsoever found. By 1924, he was suffering from a full-on psychosis believing that God was commanding him to torture and eventually murder children. That same year, the body of nine-year-old Francis McDonnell was found strangled with his suspenders. He was sexually assaulted and hung up back to a tree in the boys' neighborhood in Staten Island. Young Francis was found by his neighbors and witness testimonies would come out with them describing the attacker 
who we now know is Albert Fish as an older man with a gray mustache, furthermore, earning him the nickname, The Gray Man. That same year, Fish had noticed eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone to which the mother had spotted him and chased him away as he was trying to lure the young girl away. That same night, Beatrice Keel's father had to chase Fish out of their barn after he had returned and attempted to sleep there. In 1927, there's another young boy that no one knew Albert Fish had brutally murdered until he had confessed to doing so after he was found out. Four-year-old Billy Gaffney was playing outside of an apartment building with another boy his age and then an older boy. The older boy in question had gone inside for only but a few minutes, which was enough for Fish to get the boy away. Albert Fish had explained that he cut off the boy's ears, gouged his eyes out, sliced his mouth from ear to ear, and then finally cut open his stomach to drink his blood. Fish would go on to describe how he took pieces of Billy Gaffney's body home and how he cooked said pieces. The other little boy that Gaffney was playing with and a neighbor, their testimony was that the boogeyman had taken him, describing Fish again as an older man with a gray mustache. In 1928, Albert Fish would respond to an ad in the paper from a man named Edward Budd, who was hoping to find work in the countryside to help his father earn money for the family. Fish came to the Budd family under the name of Frank Howard, and to them, he seemed like a kind, older, rich gentleman. Albert Fish then told the Bud family that he would come by to pick Edward up in a few days and bring him to the farm. Fish had originally planned to murder Edward Bud. However, as Fish began to meet the Bud's many children, he then set his eye on 10-year-old Grace Bud. Within a few days, Fish was invited to lunch, and he had convinced the parents to allow him to take Grace to his quote-unquote 10-year-old niece's birthday party. That would be the last time they ever saw their daughter. They reported Grace's disappearance and found that Frank Howard and the address that he told them the party was at was completely fake. For years, Grace Bud was missing without a trace, and even though it eventually seemed as if no one was still looking for her, people always looked out hoping to find her. Six years would go by, and in 1934, Albert Fish would anonymously send the Bud family a letter no one would ever forget. I will read it for you now. Just know that this letter is incredibly disturbing and, in my opinion, utterly disgusting. So please, if while I am reading, if you need to stop listening or take a break from this episode, please, and I mean please, do so. 
I will read it for you now. My dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was one to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out in just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and is sold as veal cutlets, brings the highest price. John stayed there so long that he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven. He took them to his home, stripped them naked, and tied them up in a closet and then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old because he had the fattest ass, and of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except for the head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next, and he went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street. He told me so often how good human flesh was, and I made up my mind to taste it. On June 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street and brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat on my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take the meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, had I wished. She died a virgin. 
the letter was addressed to Mrs. Budd. However, she unfortunately was illiterate. And so her son, Edward Budd, was asked to read it to her. Using the details that were on the envelope, the chief investigator, William F. King, would wait at Albert Fish's home, awaiting his return from work. He was then taken into questioning, and he never denied anything. He confessed to killing Grace, to planning out everything. The trial began on March 11th, 1935, with James Dempsey as Fish's defense attorney, pleading not guilty due to insanity. Many psychiatrists would say that he would, was socially all right and that he wasn't insane. They said that he was ad- abnormal, but sane nonetheless. And within 10 days, he was declared sane and guilty by the jury and was to be executed via electric chair on January 16th of 1936. They say on the day of his execution, Albert Fish had gone as far as to help the executioner attach the electrodes to his body. There is a rumor that due to the needles he had stuck into himself, which later in his autopsy, they found roughly 28 needles, again varying in sizes, within his pelvis. And the rumor is that it had short-circuited the chair, causing them to electrocute him a second time. However, that, again, is only a rumor. His last words, and I quote, I don't even know why I'm here. And there you have it. The Gray Man. The Werewolf of Wisteria. The Moon Maniac the Brooklyn Vampire, and the Boogeyman were all names that Albert Fish was given, but those names alone cannot even come close to describing this utterly depraved man and what he had done to many other people. Thank you for sitting here with me today and hearing me tell you about this case. And I hope to be here with you all once again. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay lovely. Bye-bye.